The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. After Jesus was baptized, the Spirit drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. The Gospel of the Lord. Just one thing before we begin reflecting on the scriptures this evening. At the entrance on the table below the bulletin board, tax receipts for all your generous offerings are waiting for you there. So if you're expecting a tax receipt, do please pick it up. It's the last, uh, la- last chance to pick them up here before we put them in the mail this coming week. It does help us quite a bit uh, for every person who uh, picks up one of those tax receipts. It saves us the postage. And we have a lot of families in our parish, so that does add up over time. Anyway, it was mentioned that we have now begun the season of Lent. And this season is often marked with all kinds of traditional practices, like ashes and fasting and the Stations of the Cross. And these practices, they lead us to consider one basic truth no one really disputes. Things aren't exactly right in the world. Sure, there's plenty of good things to enjoy, and many live good lives. Creation is filled with all kinds of beauty that reveals the goodness and power of God. But when we hear about climate change or housing shortages, inflations, wars, or rising violence, we must admit that something isn't quite right. Now, we know that after creating the universe, God stepped back to look at all he had made, and he declared it all very good. We also know how Adam and Eve's misuse of the, of the gift of free will created divides between humankind, God, and creation, resulting in all kinds of problems. So now, what God has declared good has gone astray in some ways. The cells of our bodies are good till they go astray and there's cancer to deal with. Wind, rains, and clouds are all good until they go astray and form a hurricane. The good news is that because evil is simply God's good creation gone astray, it can never really threaten the goodness of God. His power and goodness can only prevail in the end. But still we're often left asking how and when will it all be resolved. The first reading of this first Sunday of Lent recalls the moment when God established a relationship with his people through Noah. This is the same Noah from the story of Noah's Ark. We all like Noah's Ark. It's one of those Bible stories we love to share with children. I I don't think I've ever seen a children's Bible without it. 
We just don't think a whole lot about the part where most everyone in the world drowns. The third day of creation was marked by a separation of water and dry land, but because of how far God's creation has had drifted from the source of life, God's creation was being undone, and the waters once again threatened to cover the earth. The flood of Noah's Ark was a punishment not sent from God, but a natural consequence of sin. When people cut themselves off from God, life is endangered. When God's people sin and fail to love others as God intends, violence arises. When people sin and don't care for creation as God commands, creation becomes destructive instead of life-sustaining. Because of sin, God's followers were in danger. But through Noah, God acted by instructing the man to build the ark. This is basically a rescue operation. God went to the one faithful person left and asked him to be an instrument for the renewal of creation. We can imagine the ridicule Noah may have faced while building the ark. I suspect one of the first things they teach at boat building school is that boats are best built by the water. They're useless on dry ground. But there was Noah building his boat, the ark, in the desert. Doing God's work in a world full of problems is always going to look strange and even useless because it's so easy to become fixated on the evils of the world to the point where God's ways can appear powerless. For those fixated on survival in the desert, the construction of an ark seemed useless. For those troubled by the Roman occupation of Israel, the cross seemed foolish. To those concerned most with wars or poverty or any of the challenges that confront people today, giving worship to God can appear as a waste of time. We all want an ark. Everyone looks for God's rescue plan. But there's great debate about what God's rescue plan might look like today. When it comes down to it, the ark was much more than a boat. On the ark, we find not just Noah and his family and a bunch of animals, but a trace of God's original plan for creation kept safe from the destructive powers of the world. Beyond the safety of the ark, only the destruction could be found. But on the ark, there was no destruction, but only harmony. And from the ark, when the destructive floodwaters finally relented, the seeds of a renewed creation were allowed to take root. The early fathers of our church often, often envisioned the church as, a, as the continued presence of the ark today. The world may be filled with all kinds of destructive forces that threaten to drown God's people, but in the church, we get a hint a taste of God's plan for heaven preserved. It could be why whoever designed our church here in one of the windows, it's hard to see today, has a boat with the word ecclesia, or church, on the sails. When I look around at the people who come here to worship, I have to wonder, if it weren't for our church, maybe none of us would ever have anything to do with one another. Beyond our church, 
Maybe the various differences that exist among us would overwhelm and keep us apart. I mean, could we even ever come to agree on which sport is the best, soccer or cricket? Of course, it's hockey. But here, through our church, we pray together, offer a shared sacrifice, and proclaim how we are all part of one family through our Savior. Even our voices harmonize in the hymns. Here we find preserved the perfect seeds for a renewed creation. But for many, what we do here will seem odd. Earlier this week, I received a complaint from one of our neighbors. I I don't know which one. They wrote, Why do the members of this church keep parking on our streets? I don't think it happens so much on Sunday evening as in the morning. I replied that it's not for me, but something draws people to this church and concluded with an invitation for them to come and see what draws all of you here. In this place, through our worship, and by coming together to meet Jesus, we build up God's church. And to many, what we do here will seem as foolish as building an ark in the desert. Just off topic for a moment, I know this probably isn't so much a problem at the Sunday evening Mass as at the others, but I did tell our neighbors I would encourage everyone here to follow any parking restrictions that might exist on the surrounding streets. I know sometimes in the morning the lot can be full, but we want to respect our neighbors, uh, uh, respect the laws, keep a good reputation, and I don't want any here to get parking tickets if our neighbors were to start calling the bylaw officer. As we begin this season of Lent, let's allow our gatherings here remind us of how the destructive powers found in the world will not have the last say. Let us renew our trust in God's rescue plan, climb into his ark, and await that moment when God's good order and plan will be fully realized for all. God of all creation, We approach you seeking your love and mercy. Some of your people face grave threats. To them, send the spirit of hope. Others are weighed down with worries. To them, send the spirit of faith. Touch the hearts of all, so we would trust in your rescue plan and enter the ark of your church, established by Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.